Hello and welcome to Women in Strength. This is the podcast that goes far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Rasheen Hawley and I'm going to be spending this time with you every single week, jumping into the real life challenges, the real life topics that we face as a coach, as a business owner, and as a woman running her own business in the fitness industry. I've been in the industry since 2013 where I started out as a sole trader in a commercial space and now I own my own gym here in Melbourne called Barbell Babes Brigade. I absolutely love being in this industry and I love educating and exploring the things that come up on a daily basis. I love to help other ladies really explore their capabilities as a business owner, as a coach and seeing what they can do. Because the thing is, when we create businesses as women, we are unrivaled. We have a power that is so untouchable and I really, really want to explore these topics that quite frankly can stop us in our tracks sometimes. So strap in, we've got lots of stuff to cover. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I have a huge grin on my face and the person looking at me has a huge grin on her face. I'm so, so freaking excited to have Billy on the podcast today. Um, Long time friend. I'm so excited to go ahead and have a chat about business with Billy today. So hi. Hello, happy to be here. Oh, I'm so, so excited. We were talking for a, a good 20 minutes prior and we're like, oh, we should probably hit record now. So <laughs> it's not going to be a, a lack of conversation today. So Billy, I wanted to get on the podcast um, because, oh my gosh, one of the major things that draws me to you, Billy, is how you have not only just created a business that is like legitimately your terms, who you are, it just is like exudes you. But I think like as you're growing and evolving as a person, like I continue to see that evolve with your business and I fucking love that. So I wanted to break into that today. Um, And the first kind of questions I always start with when I've got a guest on is I like to kind of look at where we are now and then just do a little bit of a trip back so we can kind of get of a background. So hi, tell me, tell me who you are, what you do, what you like. (laughs) Hi, um, all right. Um, I'm a powerlifting coach. I work out of the Strength Fortress, which is in Melbourne's inner west. Um, I guess my kind of passion area is more like beginner to intermediate level female lifters. Um, For me, I think it's – I get a lot out of introducing people to the gym for the first time. I think it doesn't take a lot of training to get someone from knowing absolutely nothing to like reasonably confident and competent um so I guess that's where my kind of passion lies now yeah yeah and I um gosh I can't even remember when I first started like coming into your sphere I remember when you used to live by the beach and you were in that gym area and I was like who is this fucking beach babe like How did she end up in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so drawn to like your energy. And now obviously you're doing something quite different, but also quite similar in terms of business perspective. So can you take us a little bit back about where you started the industry? What were you doing as a beach babe? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's taken some turns. Um, So I first started in the fitness industry when I was on the Gold Coast, actually. So I did my certs up there when I was 19. Um, and quickly moved back to the Central Coast, which is where my family is, um, and opened a women's gym there, um, which is a pretty natural transition, actually. It was like I started coaching on the Gold Coast 
and found that most of my business was online back on the central coast. So it made a lot of sense to move back there. Um, so I guess like, yeah, as you said, like a lot of things look the same, but a lot look different. Like it was still working with a predominantly female um, crowd and yeah, it was still training, but I guess it's gone a lot more from, I guess, more like playful exercise and maybe more of an aesthetic focus mm-hmm. to now where it's very much like, no, 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 like we do powerlifting and we do it with the performance outcomes. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like the same kind of like energy, as you said, like I think like my personality has always like really, um, really affected my business and like really driven it. Um, but that's just evolved over time. Yeah. So um, actually, I just want to pause this. So you said when you went to the Central Coast, you had a lot of online clients. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And believe me, my online coaching was pretty rudimentary back then. <laughs> so yeah, it was a long time ago. It was like 10 years. Yeah, because online coaching is such a big thing now. But 10 years ago, gosh, no way. Yeah. So I actually didn't know that about you, that you yeah. did the online coaching. What was it like back then in like when, you know, archaic <laughs> online coaching days? <laughs> it wasn't quite facts, but I did use PDFs. So it's come a long way. <laughs> and I always look back and laugh at the fact that I didn't even have an email signature. Like I just like signed off with my name. <laughs> Like, like where it says on an iPhone set from iPhone, but like, <laughs> just, just like that was me. Yeah, being like I'm 21 and I run a business, but like I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Yeah, okay. So that's really interesting. If you had a big online base and that was predominantly your clients 10 years ago, how did you grow your online base back then? Because we didn't have um, like Instagram and growing our businesses as we do now. Yeah, I think it was mostly just, like, word of mouth back then. Hey, like, I grew up in a pretty, like, a pretty small town, and I guess I was always, um, like, interested in health and fitness. Like, that was always kind of my thing. Um, and, like, as you know, my backstory, like, I went from, like, disordered eating and being extremely thin, and, like, I had this pretty very notably visible transformation over a short period of time, um, which I guess was, like, very evident in my, like, network. So while it might have just been, like, Facebook friends or whatever, it was, like, I did just have that. It was just very obvious, like, the change that I'd gone through and then suddenly I was delivering coaching and back yeah. then that was enough credibility. Yeah, wow. And it's like, you know, that organic growth of one friend and then one friend of a yeah. friend. And back in the old days, hey, when you grew your business yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, that was exactly it. It was, like, one person that was like, hey, I think you could help me. And then, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, wow. Okay, so you did your search in the Gold Coast. Then when you went back home to Central Coast, you took your online clients and then decided to open your own space. Yeah. Um, crazy. Like, again, 10 years ago. Well, that would have been 10 years ago as well then, roughly. Yeah, I think I was like 2021. 20, Holy moly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird. Like, it's, it's so weird to, like, look back and think, you know, because right now, you know, you as a gym owner, me as a gym owner, lots of people in my sphere as gym owners, and we are very much more on a, I guess, like, I don't really like to say quote unquote boutique gym style, but we are because we we have created our gyms to be what we want. And 10 years ago, like, shit, that was not getting done back then, hey? No, it super wasn't. And, like, that's how we came to open our space, like, on the coast back then. It was, like, there was literally not a boutique gym in the area. Like, there wasn't any F45s yet. There was nothing like that. It was very much, like, anytime fitness fitness first and like they were like so male dominant yeah yeah it was just like yeah it was not a pleasant place for like a young female to be back then 
And is that particularly like, someone that's in it? Like, yeah, there was just such a gap in the market and just like, yeah, such a gap that people really needed filled. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So knowing then that this is obviously you're a gym owner now um, and this is your, your second gym here in, in Melbourne, the first one that you did open, like, tell me what kind of went on there. This is so interesting to me that it was 10 years ago. Was it like, let's fucking do this? Was there a lot of planning? Was there a lot of preparation? Like, no. Nah. <laughs> um, I think I was like on the peak of Dunning-Kruger where I just – thought I knew way more than I did but it paid off like I actually there's so much merit to that of like thinking you know more than you actually do so that you don't get in your own way like uh, I didn't doubt myself so it's like things just happened and it worked yeah um so I um yeah we start, I started it with my best friend at the time and we started with like just outdoor boot camps was yeah where we started um which just grew so quickly like over after over a 10-week period we had it across three locations with like sessions absolutely pumping like it just yeah went absolutely gangbusters um and then we moved yeah the weather started turning it was heading into winter and it was like right well we can't really do this outside anymore it's not that fun um so how about we just keep getting a warehouse Mm. and like straight up we had no money like (laughs) <laughs> we were so young like you know we were making like this money was coming in but we didn't have savings like we had nothing I think we managed to like open the gym like we had like hardly any equipment like it was mostly body weight stuff or just like you know really budget equipment that we threw together yeah. but I reckon we, we opened that gym with like less than 10 grand more like five including like first month rent bond everything oh wow like we just got creative <laughs> because we, we just couldn't be outdoors anymore so yeah. we just had to go and you know what, like the the Dunning Kruger and like that driving factor, you're so right because so many things do stop coaches and business owners taking that step forward because they're like, I don't know enough or I'm not ready enough. And here we are, hands on our hips, superwoman cape on, being like, I'm fucking ready. I've got five thousand dollars. I love that though, because that's not yeah. a normal narrative when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? No, it's not. There's a quote that I love and it says like there's someone who knows less than you doing exactly what you want to do just because they think they can. Yeah. Yeah. And like I just think of that. It's like the knowledge I have now compared to the knowledge I have then is like night and day. Wow. But like, no, I arguably had more confidence then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Like, and you th- I was at least like way more fearless. Like I just had a go. Yeah. You just had a crack at it. And like, you know, if you think about it, I'm sitting here like literally like genuinely in all going, if you think about the boutique style gyms, you were at the forefront of starting that and being one of the first business owners of that. And you were just like, you know, young gun being like, let's just give it a crack. And there we are. It's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild to look back on. Yeah, yeah. So I take all of your praise. I think it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, like because there's things that like, I have known you for a while, but there's things that I didn't know about that kind of time of your life because I didn't know. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me. So with the with the first gym and and obviously you know finding that there was a gap in the market and then just kind of being pushed into your own warehouse because of the weather and going, we still want to have fun, but it wasn't outside in the rain. Like, what were some of the challenges that you faced on that first kind of iteration of gym ownership? Oof. Um, like, I think the business as a whole was just extremely clunky because we, I didn't have any, I and we had, like, no knowledge of, like, systems or CRMs or, like, how we could possibly streamline things. It wasn't like we had any industry experience. Yeah. So everything was, like, really, really clunky. Um, 
I guess just not having any capital was like we just had to get really creative with things. Like some of our first equipment was like sandbags that we filled ourselves at the beach. Like just got bags from Bunnings and filled them up. Yeah, like, <laughs> we like grabbed tires from like Bob Jane and just flipped tires because like we didn't have equipment. <laughs> so I think like yeah, just not having like a huge amount of cash to like get things going like yeah. that just had to happen. Um, but I mean, like I've thought, I'm sure there were so many challenges. Like I was just ignorant to them. <laughs> we just had fun, and that was enough to pay the bills. Oh my gosh! But I love that. Like I remember when I saw that gym and I saw the environment like you're telling me now that there was no cash so you use sandbags and tires but like from an outside perspective I thought it was very intentional like I thought it was like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going for grunge <laughs> <laughs> but it looked like to me it just looked like you guys had so much fun like it didn't yeah, matter if you're did. throwing around a sandbag or a tire or a barbell who cares but like you you saw that there was a need for a space and you guys just absolutely rocked it. Wow. Yeah, it worked. Like we didn't even have Wi-Fi. Like we just had a CD player. We used CDs. <laughs> CD player? <laughs> like to the same songs and just play all the time. So any gym owners or aspiring gym owners here, like just don't want us to pause for a moment here. Like we don't have to have everything sorted we just need to have that fearless fucking attitude sometimes <laughs> yeah like you can just like get so stalled in your tracks like trying to make it perfect it's like the first like the first form of your business doesn't need to be the last one. Oh my god that's like, so true it doesn't need to be perfectly complete on day one it's like you can upgrade as you go and if, if you wait until you have like the exact dollar value in the bank to like get started like the best way to get that exact dollar value in the bank is to start running a business. That's it. Oh my god, I feel like you're the queen in there. of that. Like I feel like <laughs> it's it's so great. So tell me a little bit. Ran ran that gym, did your thing. Then correct me if I'm wrong. There was a period when you left the industry a little bit, and then you came back. Yeah, correct. So I moved to Melbourne. I shut the gym and I moved to Melbourne. Um, and I got. I was so burnt out at that point in time. Like I was like, I want a nine to five. I want to leave my work at work. I was like, I was so done. I never wanted to be self-employed again. Like I was so fried from it. Um, I was like also, I was studying full time at the time. Um, that was when I was training up for like international powerlifting. So that was really demanding. I was traveling to and from Melbourne like every other week. I was wrecked. Um, so when I moved to Melbourne, I actually got a corporate job that lasted about a month. Like it wasn't a very good fit. Um, but I did go, um, work for like the government for a bit. And that was probably about maybe two and a half years that I was out of the industry yeah. or at least away from coaching. Yeah. 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 And then obviously you made your way back. Like, you know, now I can understand with the, the quote unquote clunkiness of the first business and just kind of like figuring out along the way. Like I'm obviously, I'm sure that would have got so just like taxing and like all of that kind of stuff. Then when you moved here and you went in and, and worked in a, another job, like what ended up bringing you back into the industry then? I think it was just like that classic, the grass isn't always greener. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe I can leave all my work at work, but like, you know, just like selling your soul into like this meaningless work that you're not really getting a lot from or just like not being lit up by what I was doing. Yeah. Um, sitting behind a desk all day, like isn't really my jam. Um, yeah, just not being excited by my work. Yeah. Okay. So like the, the thing that you thought you were 
wanting to leave it everything at work and not bring it home you know it wasn't really that it was okay we still want that purpose but it's like finding a quote-unquote balance I, I guess yeah absolutely like I just yeah there's other ways to do business yeah and like that way that I'd done it that was like so demanding um you know that was so around the clock wasn't the only way and I guess I just had to be ready to come back and try again a different way. Yeah. So when you came back into the industry, were you doing online coaching again? What was that transition back in like? I actually went and worked in the gym for a bit. Um, so I went into an employed role. You didn't know this? No. <laughs> Your face is like, wait, what? Um, yeah, I actually went back and worked for a gym again, um, which I guess was just kind of going, do I want to do it again before yeah. I, you know, I guess kind of, yeah, put myself out there on my own. Um, so yeah, I went back into an employed role. I think I was there for probably like six to nine months. Yeah. Um, before, yeah, starting my own business again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of like, um, okay, like I'm not really cut out for corporate. I'm not good for a desk job. Maybe I want to coach again. Let's just go see how I feel about it. Yeah. And obviously you were, you know, you were enjoying it. You were, were you finding your feet again? Was it feeling right again? yeah I think like just little things like for example I wasn't um at uni anymore so just realizing like well this doesn't have to be so around the clock when I'm not trying to juggle study with work mm-hmm. um having yeah just probably being a little bit better with boundaries yeah maybe just approaching a little more maturity really Mm-mm-mm. yeah okay and then obviously you know fast forward and you're a gym owner now and how long has Fortress been open for God. The TSF is coming up for its fifth birthday, like next month. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what? Where did this transition happen into the second gym? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, that's a bit of a story. So, TSF is like John Paul's gym. It's always been his gym. Yeah. I was here for that five years ago. Um. So when I came in to move at TSF, the gym I was working for. So I was there for like six to nine months. As I said, the company actually went into administration. Oh, okay. So that was. And I was like gearing up to leave from there. And at that point it was like, shit, like, you know, I've got these, like, yeah, I've found my feet again. I've got this team that I love and like, you know, what am I going to do from here? So that was when I was like, right, like I want to continue coaching. I don't want to change locations. Can I start working out of CSF? Mm-hmm. So I'd already been knowing I was ready to go out on my own again. So I'd like my backend systems were getting set up. You know, my website was being built, like my billing was getting built, like all, all my contracts were written, like everything was like getting done on the back end, kind of ready to go. And I guess that shift just made me like have to jump. Yeah. Um, so I started, um, John Paul had only historically ever used the gym at night, so I started using it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually worked really well. So like I guess like where that kind of really was being fed from as well and why I was building the business in the first place is like I really believed in the strength fortress, but I was hearing so often that it was such an intimidating looking place, which like I get it. It looks horrifying. Yeah. Um, but I was just, you know, I was getting really frustrated that like I think it's this phenomenal place that is so inviting with like the best people on the planet in there. Mm-hmm. And hearing time and time again that people aren't even willing to step in the door because it looks so daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so in opening up in the mornings, it was like, right, the gym is empty in the mornings. There's no one there. So I can like gatekeep every single person that comes in there. I can like build a tribe that really like support each other and I think it's going to be a good mix together. I can pair up the right people. And if someone's really anxious to walk in there, I can like meet them at the coffee shop around the corner and walk over together. And I, I can start like cultivating a space where it's like not as daunting as they think it is. Yeah. So, yeah, so for the last three, four years, I haven't, yeah, Strengthwatch is not mine. Um, it's been very much like running my own business under that roof. Yeah. Um, and that's just grown and grown. 
Um, it's only in the last month that John Paul and I have actually like, joined, for, uh, joined forces and gone into business together. Wow. I love that because, yeah, you're right. Like I remember when um, JP did open and it was like, it's a powerlifting gym, right? And I can, I can imagine that people would have felt like that, like yeah. just because of his, you know, he's the most fucking cuddliest bear person like ever. <laughs> he's so not intimidating. But like his accolades and his, his time in the industry, like that does have sometimes a certain intimidation to it for some people I would imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like just like I think there's a lot of um but like, this is perception people have of powerlifting and powerlifters that they're like, you know, they're all 120 kilo men that are like super, super strong. And it's like mm, a good portion of like 50 kilo women. <laughs> like, you know, and everything in between those two extremes, you know, like yeah, I love that. So you were running it in the morning. Like this is an interesting kind of um, a thought that's coming up to me. So were you only doing morning classes and you weren't doing any night times like JP was doing that? Yeah, correct. It's like I only work mornings still. You still only work mornings? Yeah, I don't do switches. Ding, ding, ding. Let's have a conversation about this. Like, <laughs> tell me about that. Like have you just decided – well, was it a decision that you're like, I don't want to work nights, so therefore I'm going to build my business around it? Or was it a combination of like my clients like the morning? Like tell me a little bit around how you've kind of set up your days now. Yeah, so it was not an accident. It was very clear. Like I do not want to work splits. I don't want to work evenings. Um, so when I come, obviously when I had the last gym and then when I came back in this employed role, both of those were split shifts and they were like, you know, heavy rosters, like across like say six days a week. Mm. Um and I just know that it wears me down. Like, I don't like it. I don't like working nights. I'm just, I'm pretty useless part of it past about, like, five years. <laughs> um, like, I just end quickly. Um, so, yeah, I was really clear on that. I knew I didn't want to work nights. And I also knew I didn't want to, I don't like Wednesdays. So, like, I knew I needed this, like, midweek recharge. So, I just, like, built up, like, built my offering around that which was like scary early on because you feel like you're going to lose business when someone says, oh, can I do after work? Like that feels pretty daunting. But like time and time again, if people like the product and they like what you're offering, they just make it work. Wow. Like the person who wasn't a morning person becomes a morning person. Yeah. Like, and it might take them a little while to get the hang of it. But like if they like what you're offering and they, they want to be part of it, like people make it work. People can make it work. Did you ever find like any pressure to change your availability based around clients? Nah. Nah, like not at all because if they really wanted to train at night, I could just send them to John Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I know all that. No, um, it's all right. No, like I just wasn't going to budge. Like, yeah. you know, I've, I've, like I've budged on my boundaries before and like look how well that would turned out. Like, I quit left. Yeah. And that's a thing, like, having been in the industry for, gosh, you know, over a decade now, you would have been someone that pushed their boundaries, that said yes to everything, X, Y, Z, and look, you know, in and out of the industry. And so yeah. I think that's such an important message that we can, as coaches and business owners, think that we have to work splits or we have to do it this way because out of fear, what if people go? What if they're not happy with it? But the reality is, is that you're a very successful businesswoman running it on no nights because you're usually up for five and you want Wednesdays off. I'm a very successful businesswoman four mornings a week. <laughs> <laughs> In four hour blocks. <laughs> 
so damn specific and I'm so here for it. It's so great. So that's obviously your hours of availability. Is there other stuff that you've really incorporated in your business or built your business, whether it's like people that you train with, whether it's offerings, like how else have you molded your business to be like, you know what, this is me. This is what I want to do. Um, I guess it's like, yeah, in the whole like service provision, right? It's like, I'm very clear on what I do and I don't budge from that. Yeah. So it's like, if someone, and this is, this has really evolved over time. Like things have really evolved, but like, you know, no, I'm not going to take you through a weight loss phase. No, I'm not going to do a weight loss challenge. No, I'm not going to, you know, pump heaps of cardio into your programming. Like, I guess I've just become very, very clear on what I do. And within that, it's like, I always feel excited about work. There's never like a, oh, I don't really want to do this thing. I'm not passionate about this project. Like there's just no element of that at all. Yeah. So I guess like that's kind of the biggest thing is it's like when I'm at work, it's an absolute delight to be there Yeah. because it's like I'm doing things that I actually like really, really, really believe in. Um, like further to that, so like, like I said, like I don't work Wednesdays. Like I don't take appointments on Wednesdays, but Wednesdays is like sort of like an administrative or creative day. So it's like, you know, I love to write. Yeah, And, you know, so I've like carved out this day where I can just have like complete creative space to write if I feel like I want to. Yeah. So just having the time and space and energy to like give to those other things that aren't like, you know, aren't my primary like service or my primary job. Yeah. But I just have the creative freedom and like the mental capacity to engage in them anyway. Wow. How have you like built because you have so much conviction when you're saying that. And, like, I know that there'll be people listening to be like, I need some of that fucking juice. Like, I need a bottle of Billy and I need to take that on board because, like, it can be easy to, like, say one thing and then it falls over when we're in an hour of need or whatever it might be, right? Like, how have you just cultivated that and, like, nurtured it to be so fucking strong? I think just trial and error, hey, like, falling over a 100 times and going, that didn't feel good yeah and like, i've been you for a while I, you've fallen over a few times and, and you yeah. right we all have i've fallen <laughs> but it's like yeah i'd love to say that i've always had that conviction but i haven't like i've had a rubber arm at times and i've bent and done things that i haven't wanted to do and like you know and it's like being employed like you have to like fall in line with business practices that you don't necessarily believe in like yeah. you know everyone's got to get on the body scanner once a week and it's like you know i've, I've done my time of like doing shit i don't believe in yeah. So yep. it's like just time and time again, it's just like, I'm just not doing it. Like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> even like down to things, like I've had people say, like, eventually you'll have to work Wednesdays. And it's like, why? So I can make more money. What if I don't want more money? Like, <laughs> what, want what if that doesn't matter? Like, yeah. what if I'm just happy to like cut my losses a little bit and so go for a walk? Like, I love, I remember um, amongst COVID um, kind of travels where I came and saw you guys <laughs> with Lexi and I saw how many bagels you eat every day. I still remember that. <laughs> we go through really hard phases. Like when we're into something, we're really into it. Bagels had a good run. Like, obviously, we, we work on four-hour blocks and we have bagels every day. We're doing all right around here. Hey. <laughs> and where I was going is I, I remember we are just talking about, like, property and business growth and life and stuff like that. And both of you were just so clear on like you know money is not the driving factor lifestyle is so important it's not how you make every decision and I think that's like a natural next segue into like the next step for you and I wanted to discuss that because I feel like as I'm hearing and chatting with you it's like iterations there's like the first version of where you were in the industry and then your second one then I feel like it's just this next evolution that you're in the middle of it seems <laughs> tell me about that 
right in the thick. Um, oh, I'm so nervous to talk about this. Um, so John Paul and I are planning to go and spend a year in Spain. Oh, my God. Which is, yeah, which is exciting and horrifying in equal measure. Um, so that's really, really exciting. But it is, like, pushing us to make changes to the business, which I think are going to be so valuable forever because it's really kind of, like, future-proofing our careers for us. Like, you know, right now it's, like, as much as I joke of, like, you know, I work at the gym four mornings a week. It's, like, you know, it's, like, this business, like, really, really needs me there all the, all the time. And if I'm not there, the service suffers and yeah. my team suffers. So it's, like, in getting prepared to, like, go spend this time in Spain, it's, like, we're having to set up the business so that not only can I go travel, but, like, I can afford to be sick. Like, you know, for the last, like, few years, it's, like, oh, you're unwell. All right, we'll suck it up. Yeah. Like, you know, there's not an option. Like, who's going to open the gym at six? Like, yeah, there's yeah. just no option to be unwell. Or, like, you know, if I want a family, it's, like, there's no structure there to permit me to take maternity leave or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so I guess, like, this, yeah, so this preparing to go to Spain is really kind of pushing us to go, cool, like, do you want this business to support your lifestyle just for now or for, like, ever? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, do you want to make this your career for now or forever? Forever. Forever. And that's things. So it's things like, you know, sick leave. It's things for preparing if family is on the cards for you. You know, it's preparing for just taking holidays and, like, actually being able to take holidays, right? Yeah. And not feeling this tremendous amount of guilt about it or or just the stress of, like, how do I possibly navigate this so this team that I really, really, really care about can, like, continue to do their thing in my absence. Yeah. Like, there's just historically been so much stress around that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, I remember making that transition, obviously, because Lexi's coming into five, and um, on a side note, we're thinking about having a second baby too. What? Yeah. I mean, like, fucking having this on a podcast, that's a lot. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but it's just, like, even if we do or don't, like it's just preparing for these things and knowing that I've got these options in my life, which is really liberating and empowering as a yeah. business owner. Like, yeah. because the health and fitness industry, it doesn't have these, com- we don't get these conversations. We certainly don't get taught how to do it. And so we have to figure it out and then like build our life to support our changes. And I, it's scary. It's so fucking scary, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, we can talk in, like, general, like, employment circles about, like, yeah, paid parental leave and this kind of thing. But it's, like, but like, where's my where's my membership based on the other side of that? Like, where? Yeah. Like, what? Okay, cool. If I take paid leave, like, what the hell do they do for 12 yeah. weeks? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's just, there's no plan there. Yeah. Like, and I, yeah, and there's, there's no map. There's, there's no map. And I, I honestly think that this is a really big reason why so many women do leave the industry because it's like, unless you learn it and go through and have conversations like this, no one tells you how to make this career work for you and not the other way around. Like it can't be quite this archaic model of like, go, go, go. But like, what if we want to have a baby? What if we want to have maternity leave? What if we just want a fucking holiday with nothing? Like, yeah. the hell? It's crazy. Like, pick one. How bad do you want it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then well, the options. that's the narrative, right? Like, if we then don't work, well, do you want it bad enough? Well, no. Like, I still like my job. Like, I just want... But I think these are unreasonable requests. <laughs> so, with the setup and getting everything ready for this, you know, huge, just life-changing 
exploration. Oh my God. It's so exciting. What's been some of the biggest challenges that have come up for you? And I know that you're in the middle of it, so it's probably a lot. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) I'll give you some to date and then I'll update you again soon. Um, No, I guess the biggest thing is just fear around it all. Hey, like there's just like every decision just carries like so much emotion. And with every decision you make, there's another like hundred decisions that you need to make in response to that. Or like you make a decision and that creates a hundred action items. Mm. Like it just feels like really thick. Um, so as I said before, John Paul and I have gone into business together now. Um, which like, you know, that's a huge, huge thing, right? Like that's like taking away a lot of independence that like I've really like, has really been like a cornerstone of who I am. It's yeah. like I'm an independent person and I really stand on my own two feet and like I'll always be okay. Yeah. So like just handing away like a little element of that is like, you know, quite daunting, right? And then, like, yeah, I'm sure you've spoken about this 101 times and you know this better than I do, but, like, you know, recruiting a team, it's, like, that's a huge responsibility. It's, like, you know, I'm responsible for your livelihood. Yeah. Like, so just, like, making those decisions and going, like, like, fuck, like, do I want to carry, like, do, can I carry that responsibility? Like, I mean, massive decisions. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's not like the tasks themselves have been hard. Like once John Paul and I make a decision, like we're on it, like everything just gets done like faster than I can even believe. But it's just like the emotions and the discussions involved in making those decisions. That is like a lot. Yeah. But like I must say, like, every time we've made a decision, it's like once we've executed it, it's like, oh, I feel so good about that. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're going to join the businesses. Okay. How do we feel about it? Pros and cons. Let's like figure it all out. How does it happen? Pull the trigger oh, yeah, that feels awesome. Like, I don't know why we didn't do this years ago. This feels amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to hire another coach. Okay, yeah, we've hired her. Oh, my God, she's amazing. Like, I have so much confidence in this decision. Yeah. And it's like just each time we've kind of finally pulled the trigger, it feels really good. But it's just like that anticipation of each thing where it's like, it's amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm kind of, I am glad that that's where our conversation went and that's what you experienced because like the doing of the things, like it's kind of okay. Like when you think logically about it, yeah, okay, how do you merge something? How do you recruit someone? What's the ads? Blah, blah, blah. But it's just the fucking emotions, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like once you once I know what I'm doing, like I just get it done. Like no problems, it can happen. But like, boy, can I really sit in my emotions? <laughs> and like, I experience really big ones. <laughs> so with some of that, like when you've been experienced, just like so much heaviness and excitement, it would just be so many jarring things, right? Like it's nerves towards excitement and like, what the fuck am I doing? How have you been able to get through that? Like what kind of things have helped you to move through these emotions? I think like a couple of things, like the last few years I've made like a really concerted effort to like build a life away from powerlifting because it's been like my hobby, it's been my work, it's been my partner. Like, you know, my hobby and my business comes to bed with me. It's your partner. I didn't <laughs> the You don't get away from it, right? And like... Yeah, obviously the whole powerlifting scene has been, like, very heavy the last few years. Like, that's been a lot to navigate. Um, So I've been, like, yeah, very, very assertively, like, building a life that's really separate from it. So, like, you know, I've got, like, many hobbies, like rowing, for example, which is just, like, this, like, thing that I can really enjoy that's, like, in nature, in the ocean with a cool group of friends that, like, I really enjoy and that just really helps me, like, disconnect um, and, like, unplug from work a bit. So I think that's been really massive, just, like, having this 
place that I can I guess I can escape from it a little bit and just yeah switch off that makes so much sense. um yeah. yeah that's been really awesome and that was like yeah something that I really proactively was like I need friends away from powerlifting and I need to like really hold that ironically I wrote with Jess and <laughs> 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 and my team gets in the boat with me, but anyway. Here you go. Become, they're becoming closer and closer. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, um, really connected now. Um, so I think that's been massive. I've always, like, always, ever since I've come back to the industry, I've been really quite disciplined with, like, turning off work at a certain time of day and, like, really switching off. And I think that's something that I'm pretty strong with. Like, I fall now and then, but for the most part, it's like I bookend my day with training. I finish work, I train, and once I've trained, it's like a laptop doesn't open. Like, there's no work after that. So I think just kind of going, I work in the first half of the day, and when I clock off, it's like, go do anything else. Yeah, and, like, I was talking to someone about this yesterday about, like, this notion of self-care and, like, especially when you work in the industry, like, lifting for a lot of people is their version of self-care because, like, they don't do it as a career. But, like, I don't classify lifting as any form of, like, it's a part of being a healthy adult for me now. Do you know what I mean? And, like, our world is so involved in powerlifting, which can be all-consuming. We love it. But it's, like, we need to learn to just almost, like, actually forget certain things about it for a while (laughs) yeah yeah I completely agree it's funny because it's like I agree and I disagree and I think you'll actually agree with this as well Hmm. it's like while powerlifting is not self-care take it away from me and I would feel that lack of self-care right it's like it doesn't like you know engaging in training doesn't like you know oh I feel so like topped up and rejuvenated but like without it I would certainly feel I would crumble yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I definitely need to have lifting, and I would like be a wreck without it. But it's like I do need another thing to like top me up a little bit. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of like I'm going through that right now because like I started skateboarding, and it's so much fun. It's kind of like your version of rowing, but it's starting to rain, and so like I can't get out, and I'm really feeling it. Like I feel yeah, it's like you need another way. <laughs> you don't need much money, like less than ten grand. <laughs> but it's just like recognizing the space to tune out switch off like actually forget the heaviness of business ownership and gym ownership and coaching because I fucking love it this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life but like I also need a break at times from it do you know what I mean yeah absolutely and I think it's those things that give it longevity it's like there's people that would say you know I love coaching I don't need a break from it and it's like okay cool like you know, the industry has a great retention rate, like pretty much for that culture, right? That's yeah. like, you know, I found what I what I love and I've made it a career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, no, nah, you need to disconnect. Nah, man, yeah. Oh, so, so agree. Oh, I love that. So just to round out our conversation, like with all of these steps and, you know, evolutions of you as a business owner and as a person like what kind of advice do you have for coaches and business owners that maybe struggle to like lean into that and be okay with not having it have to look the same way all the time I think it's like I think the biggest thing is people don't ask what success looks like for themselves like we're just kind of given this image of like this is what it takes to succeed in this industry and so do whatever it takes and like whatever it takes being like six days a week at least split shifts like taking every lead that comes in no matter how misaligned you are because that's the only way you'll make enough money to stay in it Mm. and like you know I think there's certainly an argument for like you kind of have to do your time like you know I didn't get to where I am without doing shitty shifts and like you know like we've, we've done our time right so I think there's certainly an argument for that 
But like while you're in that, before you're in that, after you're in that, it's like you need to reflect on like what do you actually want your career to look like so that you'll stay in it. Yeah. And then you can make decisions around that, right? It's like maybe why are you doing split shifts? Like I hate this. And it's like, okay, cool. Like how can I possibly mold this so that that's not what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, how do I make my work meaningful? But also how do I make like how do I mold my work so that it can make my life meaningful? Uh, so like delivering a service in such a way that it feels really aligned to you and you believe in what you're doing, but also doing it in like a certain amount of hours or uh, generating enough money that you can then enjoy a life outside of that as well that you really enjoy. And I think like something else that I'd like, yeah, I'm really stern on that people will always pressure me on is like find out how much money you need and like then like you don't need to get carried away on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like once you're making enough money to live like a really good life and you're enjoying your work and you're enjoying your lifestyle, you don't have to say yes to every lead that comes in. Yeah. Like, you don't have to do it. You can just say no, actually. Like I don't want to work another hour in my week. Yeah. Yeah. But you can only like you can only answer those questions and like answer them with conviction if you've actually considered like, yeah, what do you want success to look like? And Ugh. yeah, have actively done that. And like you guys as a, as a unit now, you know, he's going to be your husband in at some point in the near future, which is wild. <laughs> like it's just, you guys ask those questions, obviously because your life is showing you having conversations around what success in this season of life and like what we want to do and that for you guys in the next whatever you know years is Spain and fuck crazy (laughs) yeah wild hey (laughs) I love that so much I can't I can't thank you enough and I know everyone that's listening to this will just uh, like it's so much from this conversation about hearing you who has been someone that's been in the industry for a very long time and is running a successful business but on her fucking terms and like there is just so many people that want to do that but they don't know how to do that or even just open those conversations so thank you so much for sharing this conversation with me no thank you i'm on it <laughs> i can't wait to see prep oh my gosh what well, prep i'm such a coach holy fuck prep for Spain. like that's that's how i think about it. i can't wait to see this 20 week prep of how you get there with <laughs> my spanish peak <laughs> I'm right in the thick of a volume block, actually. It's like a lot of grunt work and it's really knocking me down, but we're getting there. I can't wait for the outcome, but I hate it right now. Yeah, a bit of that. Uh, Now, where can our listeners get in contact with you, hear more about you, follow your Spanish peak? (laughs) Um, You can find me on Instagram is where I'm most active, at Billy Asprey, or my website is just billyasprey.com. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, babe, and I can't wait to follow along. Thanks, bro. Bye. Bye.